Hello and welcome to episode 49 of Horse Heretics. I'm Neil. And I'm William. Today we will be looking at Angel Exterminatus by Graham McNeil. A fucking massive book. What the fuck? I know. Took me a bit by surprise this one, like, uh, in terms of its uh, size. Because this is the first one I've read in physical form for quite a while. Yeah, it really is. But as I prepare to have my... Uh, progenoid glands inserted by the vaccine people at <laughs> Pfizer. Uh, mushed up progenoid glands from the fields of Istvan is what I've heard. So you get you're getting made into a space marine from like someone that's had it ripped out of them when they've died in the battlefield, and they can like exactly. I, I'm not going for this kind of basic AstraZeneca. <laughs> I'm going for mRNA progenoid <laughs> stuff from the Pfizer company, the good people at Pfizer. So by the by the time of our next uh, recording, you'll probably have a season membrane. <laughs> I like to think I'll be much more of a Fabius Bile character <laughs> right, okay. who appears in this book as a real he's a real baddie so you're just going um, straight to chaos no like <laughs> I don't, I'm not turning <laughs> I'm just going to be I'm going to have my horn pre-made <laughs> but enough about my horn let's start talking about Angel Exterminatus yeah. how does this one begin so yeah we've got a very long book here on our hands but it's okay because it's very helpfully divided up into... Um, we start with book one, Terra Figula. Start as you mean to go on. <laughs> but as soon as you turn the page, when you look at the title page of book one, you turn the page and you get another title which says Theogenes One. And I believe we're just covering Theogenes One today, Neil, um, if I'm correct. Yeah. Yes, okay, good. Because I was a bit... Because we'd agreed that. Then I saw that there was also... It was also above that level it was divided into to books I wonder what, sorry it just made me think because I've been like formatting a large document in Word lately and like using the like the title templates for like subheadings and heading templates and stuff like that like I wonder if the black black library have got got like, got like a hierarchy of like they've got a document you can use to, for the books with a hierarchy of templates they've got right when they want to have like when they're dividing it up into books uh, this is the format. If they're having a weird like sub book heading, this is it. And then if there's uh, fuck knows, but we've seen some weird fucking structures in these books. You think the editorial team are like, so Dan, we think that this book, the initial uh, idea for this book, would fit perfectly into our style guide <laughs> using the different heading formats. <laughs> uh, we've got a we've got a word macro document ready to go for you right here. This is this is not how I considered this. I did not think this discussion would go in this direction. <laughs> <laughs> to discuss the different sort of word formatting that might have been used. Some might say I'm playing for time because I can't remember what happened at the start of the book, but that would be a deeply cynical thing to say. Would you like me to take take it fucking Alan Partridge? Do you want me to do it? Not before not before We've talked about the word theogenies in a bit more detail. Had you okay? Had you heard this one before? What the word theogenies, theogeny? No. So it's the genealogy of a group or system of gods. Um, oh, okay. So this book is divided. There's at least two theogenies, or no? Well, yeah, that makes sense because the these the theogenies seem to be little excerpts from the early lives of some of the primarchs. Yeah, so that makes sense. And this first one is Perturabo, the fucking star of this book. We start with uh, a boy, Perturabo, climbing a hill. 
or climbing a, a like a sheer cliff. You don't remember this? No, at all? I do. I'm looking at it, but I was like, I suddenly I I get I I was just treating this whole section as Theogenes one. I didn't realize that the Theogenes were actually just a little story. I think so. Like, yeah, no, you're right. It clearly, it obviously is that when you actually look at how it's laid out. Anyway, sorry. Continue. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So like, we have this boy who is just coming into awareness of himself, and he is on a cliff. He's climbing. He doesn't know anything about his past, and he's 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 gripping on just by his fingers and his toes and he's climbing for hours and hours and basically it's just like a little god what would you say a little parable almost of his will to survive and his perseverance he is pain and fear of defeat is pushing him onwards and he barely knows anything about himself but he knows that he's been abandoned on this cliff so he's got this like sense of abandonment this resentment at that he's got this utter drive to succeed that will push him through normal barriers of pain and where any normal person would give up and then he gets near the top and there are some soldiers who he sees and they like offer to give him some help but his bloody mindedness shows the negative points of that where like he has this will to succeed but he also has this total refusal to accept help so it's it's ridiculous to accept help He's bloodied, he's battered, but he resents any offer of help at all. And he gets to the top and there's this fortress and he asks, what is it? And they say, "It's oh, it's a, it's a fortress, isn't it? It's run by the tyrant. And uh, he goes, all right, take me to him. And then he looks up into the sky and sees a big star maelstrom thing, like far into the distances of space. Nobody else can see it, but he can see it. And this is a recurring thing in his life. He is always aware of this star maelstrom smear in the sky now this isn't part of the narrative (laughs) and but and and so we would normally give this a kicking but i want to roll back on all we've said because we've always said the primarchs are really badly sketched out characters they're shit but this one i'm thinking this isn't at this point this is a really interesting character he's got a will to succeed he's like he'll push himself to to anything so that he um, doesn't fail but he will not refuse or he will not accept a simple offer of help even when it's needed and he's got this real fucking resentment at being abandoned and not being considered for like this hero that he is and i thought that was a really interesting starting point to consider this story yeah it's it's like we've had quite a few little stories throughout the course of these sort of primark origin stories of when they first landed on what became their home planets and and this is definitely as far as i can remember the others this is one of the better ones and for sure i i just think like all the ones in the past or all the stories of primarchs with their weaknesses a horus I just didn't buy it all, not listening to any of that. This is the only one where I was like, oh, that's that sounds like a human problem. So I was on board at this stage and very happy to start making progress, which is where we get to the siege that uh, you were talking about. Yeah, first an insect gets stepped on. Uh, there's a few paragraphs <laughs> of that. And you know what? This is just to say this now, because it could come across as a critical thing, but actually... And it does, it just occurs to me that this book, that Graham Neal was like really going all out with this one. Every like wild idea he had, <laughs> he just threw it in there. And like, and, and that's 
overall that's to the good but, but yeah it does mean that at the start of this book you're you have this and then you've got this like chapter one starts with this um little intro from a insect's perspective until it gets <laughs> stood on by a terminator um <laughs> Who's involved in a siege? I love. I I wonder what the pitch was like to the Black Library editorial board. I'm thinking of this book doing the Horus Heresy from an insect's <laughs> point of view. Five hundred and thirty odd pages from an insect and point the, of view. The insect knows exactly. Uh, he's actually a cabal spy, <laughs> and he knows exactly how to fix it until he's just squashed to death by a terminator. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's. How it begins, but then we get into a, a siege. So this is, and this is where I think at the end of the last book, we talked about the little afterward that was saying how they needed to get like some of these stories done because they knew this one was coming up, and like you can see that here because there's there's like stuff from the narrative of the Iron uh, Warriors and the what's the ones the yellow ones Imperial Fists um, Imperial Fists yeah they're a uh, their war that we heard a bit about and um with the the space battle where they just like in the middle of it decided to take a very literal interpretation of an order <laughs> and lose a lot of lose a large number of their ships but then this is some siege coming out coming after that isn't it like where there's yeah. some imperial fists holding out on this planet and i thought i actually when i started reading this i was like this is going to be good. I thought this was the book was going to be mainly the siege, which it totally isn't. The siege is over very quickly. But Not at all. I read this book ages ago. It's by Graham McNeil. That it was called Storm of Iron, and it was like a forty k not Black Library, but it, sorry, not Horus Heresy, but a forty k set novel. It was all about a siege between like chaos and like imperial forces, and it was really good. But no, that's not what happens at all. But we do see that. Remember the guy, mm-hmm. the, the guy that <laughs> brought some bad news to Perturabo and got like immediately killed. He is back as a Terminator. As a dreadnought. That's what I'm sorry, dreadnought. Fuck, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, dreadnought. And I fucking always love it when a dreadnought appears in these books. <laughs> Me too. The dreadnoughts are fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. They always talk with this sort of, I don't know, like Arthurian legend chatter. Like they're always, no, no leave it to me. I will handle yeah. this by myself. It's very interesting. Sort of like, yeah, taciturn wisdom and heroism yeah. yeah very much and yeah so he's back we have a bunch he's being sorry oh, go ahead but no carry on yeah so we the commander of the defending forces are the imperial fists and they are besieged on all sides and they are like they know they're gonna die it's just how long can they stand stand out and so cassander is the commander of this fortress he knows they must lose but they're they're putting up a fight imperial fist style and they're actually they're turning the tide a little bit, and Kroger is assaulting the walls of the fortress. He is line officer of the Iron Warriors, and he's watching his forces take a beating uh, from Cassander's forces. And it's just about how that all that all sort of the interplay of that Kroger. And I'm sorry, you're a baddie if you're called Kroger. Sorry. <laughs> South African people, that's the, the plan. They gain the wall, but the Imperial Fists, are they going to do it? Are they going to turn the tide? No, because the Primarch arrives with a big fucking robot army <laughs> of, of fucking Givers or 
Gundams or something like his Iron Circle, they're called. Yeah, I, and they just fucking kill everything. I find this like I find this really funny in a way, right? I don't know. I suppose it's funny to imagine it as a conversation between like him and his him and his like most elite um, space marines, and they're like, "Look, we're the we're the best warriors in the, in the galaxy. Like, we can protect you. I know you're really good, <laughs> but I've got the option of having an Iron Circle of robots as well." <laughs> So it's not that you guys couldn't do a lot of defending yourselves. I know that you could, but I'm just saying, yeah. why would I not have it? It's, and they're like, yeah, you're very good. Kroger, I love you. You're, you're great. You're a great young fella. But I've the, the good people at Nerf have furnished me with some Evangelion. And I just can't turn that down. <laughs> or like I've got some fucking Transformers going here. As with all occasions when a Primarch enters the fray in battle especially this early in the book he destroys everything what is quite fun about this one is that his sons the iron warriors uh, who are led by the warsmiths they are the sort of captains they have none of this sort of matey or bonhomie between themselves and the primarch it seems very much like the primarch can't really stand the warsmiths he thinks they're lame they don't much like him either which is uh, nice their uh, harker is the leader of this group that kroger is part of and uh, harker didn't follow the rules and uh, perturabo strips him of his armor physically strips him of it and says now get the fuck away from me get back in the line you're no, you're no longer part of the trident which is his the sort of inner circle and promotes kroger to that position and that sort of leads to a bit of disagreement there's some guy tolomino he was like groomed in order to to get that place but he's annoyed that he doesn't get it this man forex another member of the trident he knows that Kroger's just like a fucking blunt force weapon he's not meant for command so he wonders what the fuck is going on there but yes, yeah, there's a lot of seeds being sown for conflict and arguments and stuff. It's good. Yeah, there's two guys that had felt that they were in pole position to get these roles. There's two open spots, wasn't there? And one of the kind of expected guys got them, and the other one went to Kroger, yeah. who was just like a total like I guess Perturabo was impressed with his. Because he's blunt. I mean, he thinks he's he will be useful in that regard. Uh-huh. Uh, it's around about now that we hear about the Cavia Ferrum, if you remember that, Neil. What's that? It's it's labyrinth base that Perturabo builds wherever he is. In secret. <laughs> I love this. This was quite, this was brilliant, yeah. It was really, really good. And like uh, Kroger's walking in amongst the this labyrinth just going what the, huh, the it's the turns aren't making sense and everyone's just don't even bother me he does this himself. He's, I know. and he's so good and they're like we're only going to be here for two weeks per boys i'm fucking building it okay <laughs> yeah once you get into this i really like this bit once you get into it into the middle of it that there are like all kinds of drawings and plans of these like beautiful creations that Perturabo doesn't make. So he's an architect. That's what he is. And he clearly feels really resent- resentful that he has to be this fucking warrior. He wants to build shit. And he doesn't. And you find out later in a conversation with Fulgrim, 
kind of why he doesn't. I, it's really interesting and it really builds his character, I think. But yeah, they get to the center of this and they get a message that the Emperor's children have arrived and have made Planetfall and are on their way here. And that's when the book just turns full S&M madness. It's brilliant. Just before we get into the, just a side note that I think it's around about here we learned that Perturabo, maybe we have learned this before, but it's mentioned again, that Perturabo was the designer of the hollowed out rock that was used for the cancer. And he's, yeah, that's almost like, I can't remember, he seemed almost sort of resentful about the way that was used. Like it wasn't, he didn't like the way that Magnus was humiliated and it was like. Yeah, yeah, like he says something like, it wasn't built for that purpose. I don't think the purpose was actually, was given. But actually, we may as well talk about it now. Like whenever Fulgrim confronts him and asks him, why doesn't he build any of this shit? He says that like reality never can live up to his expectations and and what the things will be in his mind. So he's like this perfect uh, perfectionist. And it's always like real life and other people who fuck it up. And that thing at Nike is one example of it. And it's fucked up by the emperor himself because he's used it to embarrass Magnus. Yeah, sorry, what well, just seems funny in light of that as we'll get on to it. We'll get on to, I'll come back to that point because it's not okay. great. But, so yeah, Fulgrim arrives, and this is obviously the Emperor's children. We've seen them a fair bit across the series. And this is the absolute max they've ever been dialed up to. <laughs> it's so good. It's just like a carnival of horrors. It's like there's talk of this discordant musical shit that happens it's like a procession and they call it a procession of like depravity and and horror and stuff and there's all Fulgrim is on a palanquin of living beings and yeah it's just it's a really awesome description of just debauchery and horror it's fun it was really like I'm trying to actually find the page because it, it really was yeah really maxed out that like they had all their followers just a seething mass of like mm-hmm. humans and like they were just like at one point, I don't know if it's at this point, but like at one point, like Fulgrim is just like stepping over them, and and the ones that are being stepped on are dying, and they absolutely love it. Yeah, uh, I, that's at a later point, but I I took I made that note myself. Is that it's something like he walked in on a carpet of living creatures, each like jumping and pushing others in order to be the one who's crushed to death under his feet. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and it's it's continued every time Fulgrim is on stage in the book it is really colorful and really impressive the the color and vibrancy of the writing and stuff it's great and yeah and fulgrim himself is, this is after the story we covered at some point where all his like um all his followers try to stab some demon out of him basically like remember oh, yeah. yeah and like and then it's all just some elaborate like he's oh I've dealt with the demon it's alright so there's as if he's conquered the demon that is still inside him but it's imprisoned by him now rather than yeah. the other way about and, and he's he's now he's completely yeah needless to say all the emperor's children are cutting about with like their full on chaos mutations and stuff and the iron warriors up till this point they'd obviously were on Horus's side but they were like they had I don't know they may, they certainly weren't at that stage they weren't at that stage of chaos so when they see these like these all this massive carnival rolling up they're like what the fuck this is um this is a bit much basically they are like some boring 
un- uninteresting like rocks of people and they are just not impressed by this shit <laughs> but then, then like uh, Fulgrim was like to Prokurabo he's like got something, got something to tell you <laughs> but I'm not going to tell you unless you build me the most elaborate theatre uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. And this is what I was laughing at earlier on when you were talking about like how first Rebel was like, oh no, I don't want to actually build these things because because it just wouldn't match up to my vision. And so, turns out you can build them in two days. Exactly. Try it out. So you can always give it a go. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's this like huge operation. So he, yeah, this is one like you said, the roof designs at the middle of his in his like chambers in the middle of the excuse me the Cavia Ferrum. There was designs and this is one of them Fulgrim spotted this one or whatever and he's yeah build me that I'll tell you I'll tell you so he's he's wanting to put on a full on performance to share what he's going to say yeah he he can't just tell him (laughs) he's literally going to perform a a play (laughs) yeah like Fulgrim is fast becoming my favourite (laughs) that is funny Uh, so yeah just around about this point we are introduced to other characters who are Raven Guard, called Sharokin, mm-hmm. um, and a what, what is he? A, some, Iron Hand. Iron Hand. Wayland, right? Yeah. So this is uh, the crew that had their Primarchs dead from Istvan, and but they're still the the remnants of them are fighting on, and obviously, well, not obviously, because I probably wouldn't have remembered it if I hadn't just read it in this book. But Fulgrim is the one that killed killed Ferris Manus on Istvan. Yeah, so Wayland naturally is very angry. Yeah, and like, and they're they're scouting out him and Sharokin are scouting out a kind of assassination attempt potentially, but they don't, they aren't actually planning to try and assassinate uh, Fulgrim at this point. They're just, I don't think that they're just scoping things out. Um, yeah. So they're up on the, the upper the cheap seats of this giant theater it's just in <laughs> and like they're sizing up the shot and then they're just yeah like i say they're just planning really until fulgrim comes out with the story that they're like holy shit we have to shoot him right now and like we don't hear what that story is initially it then cuts in another chapter to telling us to fulgrim doing his performance and he's got some elder with him or an older an elder guy with him doesn't he um, yeah, the whole point of the performance is to be like, I uh, he he said to Fulgrim said to Perdurabo that I can make it so that everything in your head you can make real and it will be everything you want it to be. In fact, it'll be better. I've learned of this thing and it's part of the Eldar race's dark past of destruction. And he introduces this fella called Karuchi Vola and begins telling. Perdurabo of this story of the Eldar and it's really it, it had the story itself has this epic sweep of mythology and it's very entertaining everyone who is interested in lore and the fluff surrounding the kind of 30k and 40k worlds I'm sure love this bit it's a really entertaining story Do what should we go into it or do, yeah uh, yeah, um, yeah. You start. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I didn't write down too many names, but it's the Eldar we know. They like spread across the galaxy with the Webway that allows them to travel almost instantly to all these different points in the galaxy. And 
but a fallen enemy regroup and strike back at the Eldar and it's it's a fairly even battle to see who's going to the Eldar are on the brink of destruction so what do they do and they go back to their goddesses and gods and there is this coupling of gods and that I can't remember their names which creates this avatar which is called the angel exterminatus which is this like incredible destructive thing they use it to create weapons so powerful that <laughs> when those that learned on of their existence those that learned their existence killed themselves immediately because the thought of such weapons existing was too much for them which is pretty bad and but the creation of these weapons weakened the angel and it fell asleep <laughs> which is, but that that has the the tone of greek myth yeah that you got to have a nap after this kind of shit anyway the other gods look at what has been done and see that this is too much and they try to banish the angel exterminatus but it awakes and joins battle and in the end assyrian this like chief god helps seal it away in this star maelstrom that Perturabo has always been able to see and that's basically it I think yeah and then at some point Perturabo or someone's like yeah that's all just mythology and, and Fulgrim's like well yeah kind of there's a yeah. truth to it and all this and then um, we know that's the truth because this Eldar Karuchi Vola has seen the weapons and he can guide Legion towards them so that they can take them and end the war with the Emperor basically yeah so anyway, so at that point, just as the story's been wound up, the I think it's Sharokin is the one with the rifle. Yeah. Um, actually, takes a shot and hit, shoots Fulgrim right in the head. Um, <laughs> and yeah. And they then they run away and immediately they're getting surrounded by by all the space marines and stuff about there. But they they do get away eventually and they're. And get back to the this ship that they're which is an it's an iron hands ship yeah and they are but this there's some other like strays from the other legions that got uh, got caught up in Istvan are there so there's obviously Sharok and Raven Guard guy and there's uh, Salamander he's like a doctor kind of guy I think and yeah so they're and they've been like carrying out sort of raids just doing that thing to disrupt the traitors traitor forces yeah there's just performing the kind of guerrilla warfare that is the only option open to them because they don't have like forces or resupply or anything like that so they're just doing what they can do and also yeah obviously the iron hands are particularly set on getting fulgrim for his role in killing their primark um yeah so they, they go back and they're they're like not sure about have they killed him or not and th- i was a bit worried that they were just going to be like i shot him through the head he's dead like that would be the easy way to go here then surprise he's not dead but sharukin is just i shot him through the eye i shot him where i wanted to shoot him but he fell over and i didn't see anything after that so he's he's being pretty cautious and it turns out that yep fabius bile just like moses on over to fulgrim removes this big bit of metal from his head and he's totally fine like totally fine yeah. and yeah so they're, they're going about their business as a sort of gift giving as a means of gift giving when the two primarchs met a fulgrim 
gave Perturabo like this very nice coat. <laughs> <laughs> and Perturabo gave um, Fulgrim two Iron Hand, no, Imperial Fist warriors to torture and do with as he wants. Perturabo was like, that's, that's lovely, you shouldn't have. That's really- it was good that Perturabo gave him two warriors to torture. And it would have been so nice if Fulgrim just went, oh, shit. I, I bought you this, but I've got something bigger on its way. It just hasn't arrived in the post. <laughs> it's just, it's just to tide you over. There's uh, something <laughs> yeah. really nasty coming. But then cut to Fabius Biles' vivisectoria, and Cassander comes to, and he's chained down beside this other fella called Navarra is a survivor from the force, the Imperial Fist forces who were cut loose when they go when they tried to kill the Primarch in the story the other story that we were talking about that obviously failed and Navara has found himself in this a torture room and it, Navarra sort of brings him up to speed on where he is and that Fabius is coming to start his work and then Fabius comes in and the full on real horrible character just tells them that he's going to torture the shit out of them he turns out to be really nasty like Fabius because he is a, he's a, like a real baddie but then the torture is actually described so well and is really quite unpleasant that I'm just like oh, I'm not sure I can really pretend to like a torturer yeah, he's like he's yeah pantomime level his name is Fabius yeah. Bio. He, <laughs> yeah. he walks about with a weird spider thing like metal yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. He's just like a fool, and yeah, he's and he, yeah, and he's obviously doing all these horrible things. And we've seen him plenty um, before doing nasty things uh, and experiments and all that sort of stuff. He because it's somewhere at this part of the book where he is. You see him talking to a space marine head, and it turns out to be Eidolon. And Fabius Bile has kept Eidolon alive and is sort of recreating him as this super soldier really but he's at the minute he's working on his body and all he's got is his head stuck on a spike and he's having these like bantering conversations with him <laughs> and you're like oh great Eidolon's coming back he was a real idiot and now Fabius Bile is also like perving all over this story so it was. Uh, I was just like, God, this is good. This is real good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew that. I remembered. I don't coming back, and I was like, God, I should. We should have known. Should have known. Um, <laughs> yeah. At least some author thought the same as us that he was too good a character to get rid of. Yeah, I don't. Just, yeah. Uh... Oh, I've missed out a bit on the ship, the the Sisyphean, the Iron Hands ship, where we meet Grantham, who is the sort of the, the leader. But he's in suspended animation because he's really badly hurt. But he's got like a robot bird. Oh yeah, oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and that's good. Yeah, that was good. That was very, very good. He's this sort of robot bird, which is not human technology, not any known technology. But it's, it really felt when Scrappy Doo was introduced or something like that. We've got to introduce something new and cool for the kids. <laughs> and I was like, what's this fucking robot bird doing? in the chapter after some horrible torture has been going on it's like that, that of the Simpsons where they try to like reboot Itchy and Scratchy or Poochie the dog <laughs> yeah oh god anyway the, the, the point of this is that Grantham is in suspended animation he's battered to fuck but every now and again 
there's too big a decision to make. All of these brave heroes like absolutely don't have the bottle to make any difficult decisions. So they reawaken this tortured Iron Hand in order so that he can say, yep, go into the Maelstrom and follow them. Anyway, this kind of hurts, guys. And they go, yep, cheers, thanks for that. And then you just put him on deep freeze again. <laughs> they, like, they like realize his life is like, it's it's finite amount of, a very a small finite amount of time that he has left. So they're just por- apportioning it out into like <laughs> yeah. small like, periods of seconds where they ask him a really complex question or really important, to make a really important decision having just been broke, woken up from fucking... <laughs> cryogenic sleep presumably yeah. presumably you're wanting a like i don't know a glass of water or something when you come out of that i don't know but he doesn't get the chance he's just like we're just <laughs> we need to get as many decisions out of you as we can we're maximizing it like so we'll just as soon as you've made this one you're right back to sleep but yeah they no, no ask him if he should you put pineapple on a pizza <laughs> oh no he's 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 gone oh <laughs> But like, they, because yeah, like, full, sorry, just to preface this, like, Perturabo had been a bit reluctant with the whole cha- going after the elder legend in the Maelstrom Stars, but he was convinced pretty quickly. So they were setting off to do that. And this is them. Was this not the other guys saying they were asking this dude, shall we follow them or not? They were, they were just like going to go to, yeah, to follow uh, whatever the hell was happening with Fulgrim and Perturabo. They didn't know at this point what exactly they were doing. Later on in the book, uh, that I think we'll cover next time, they find out exactly what that legend is and what they're going to do and that kind of stuff. So they're just uh, trying to follow Fulgrim and and Perturabo at this point. Fulgrim calls together all his uh, warriors and Lucius is there, the swordsman. We've liked him in the past and it was very good because Fulgrim introduces him to the new Eidolon who's this like limping shambling dead-eyed creature who I who Lucius killed previously and Lucius says I can do it again and he puts his swords up to his throat but Fulgrim says no I have to build a city of glass or a planet of glass can't remember which which we'd heard about in a previous book and Eidolon is essential for that. And Lucius says, like, Perturabo is blinded by all his resentments and that kind of stuff, but he's not a dick, and he knows he's... At some point, he's going to know that you've lied to him. And Lucius Fulgrim says that he really doesn't care. It's all too late for that. And that Perturabo's death will cause the angel to rise. So we know that this is another... There's another betrayal happening here and Perturabo is the sacrifice to this angel exterminatus whatever it is yeah um, sorry and, and that's about it just, just one one final thing before we finish right so we've obviously had Barosis as a dreadnought we like dreadnoughts generally speaking and then there's an, we're introduced to another dreadnought who's, who's with Iron Hands, and I thought this was very funny. So, so you, like, he's not doesn't feature much. Maybe we'll later on in the book, but so it talks about this, this guy. I won't give you what his given. Sorry, what his what his normal name is? Yeah. So it says his nickname. It says he's dubbed Karashi after the peak into which Ferris Manus had crashed in Medusan Legend. So, you know, like a volcano. So it's this to match his bellicose temperament matching the volcano. 
and and his love of uh, fiery destruction, and that's why the name had stuck, even after he'd been interred in a dreadnought sarcophagus. So that's the nickname he's given, Karashi. His actual name is Bombastus. And I'd be like, (laughs) I think that tells you, uh, that does the job. (laughs) No need. (laughs) uh, Yeah. you're called in your past life you were called bombastus but in order to more fully describe who you are i'm going to call you john (laughs) it was a bit like that yeah Um, fucking hell but anyway bombastus is is a great laugh yeah every word he says is is sort of hyped up rhetoric it's very good yeah so maybe we'll get a bombastus and barosus um face off in in the next book i'm sorry the next part of this so who knows um, yeah, that would be good. We've got two reawakened heroes. So we've got Barosus has been saved from death, Eidolon saved from death. Uh, we've got these two Primarchs. It's it's going to be an interesting one. What did you think? On the face of it's it, it's very long. It's very long. It is very long. And on the face of it, on the face of it, this book has a lot of the things we tend to not like, such as too many characters. It's not been. It's not been a particularly complex in terms of different strands of storylines although there has there has been a bit of you're forgetting about the insect storyline yeah true um (laughs) presumably that's coming back in the second half um yeah there's been like there's been some silliness in terms of calling a bit theogenies and things like that and all this however there's been like i say it's it's really felt like this is graham mcneil in a lot of parts of this has really just turned himself up to the max and thought I'm just doing what I want. I'm just doing whatever I want to do here. Uh, so I'll have an experimental insect perspective bit at the start. <laughs> I will absolutely do the Emperor's children the way I've wanted to do them all along. Fabius Bio is going to do his worst tortures and yeah, weird so bits on to you. medical experiments. He's going to talk to Eidolon's head on a stick. We're going to have a <laughs> dreadnought called Bombastus. And we're going to have... <laughs> yeah, there's other stuff I'm not even remembering right now, but like, yeah, just... I, there's going to be... Yeah, Perturabo's going to live inside a, a labyrinth that he recreates <laughs> wherever he goes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, it, I, I have to say, I loved... It was... It's... It was. I was sure I wasn't going to because it was. It's too long, but in that length, they give the characters enough time to have a sort of a character. Even some of the the characters like Sharukin and Wayland, who aren't described that much, they do seem individual. They don't seem cutouts or anything like that. Um, Fulgrim's been dialed up to the max. Perturabo, who we've really seen described first here it's a really interesting character like the first interesting primarch one of the most interesting characters we've seen in the series of what 49 episodes or whatever this is i just think it's a a total success i'm loving it yeah it is um if you don't like at least some of the stuff in this bit of this book that we've read you probably shouldn't bother reading these books at all is basically (laughs) i think that's fair to say yeah, and obviously that yeah, like Fulgrim dial up to the max with the whole the, having a theater built to tell a story that was good. Love so that. yeah, let's see if that pace that level keeps up in the in the next part. Cool. We will be back in two weeks with episode fifty, and we will continue with Angel Exterminatus by Graham McNeil. Let's finish off as normal with a big thank you to all our listeners. We really appreciate 
you listening. We have a bit of a backlog in the emails that life has just been really busy for both of us. We'll get through them fairly soon. So we do apologize for that, but please do keep on sending emails. We'll we'll get back to you. Please do write reviews, tell friends, all that kind of shit really does make a difference and we really do appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. We will be back in two weeks. See you guys soon. See ya.